I'm your host, Erin Groves, and this is where your positivity journey starts. Welcome to the Pop Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pop Podcast. Happy Monday, my favorite day of the week. And this week, I have a special guest sitting right across from me, making eye contact. Um, And she's actually someone that I wrote down when I first wanted to launch this podcast as one of my guests that I wanted to have on. Um, We are both in the tech industry. I'm going to have her give a little bit more of a background um, in both of our own podcast. So today, I wanted to welcome on to the pop podcast, Jen Hills-Bows. Yes. (laughs) Trying to adjust to the name change. It was like slowly switching to bows but got to keep the hills in there for at least like another year <laughs> i know i feel like that's how i know you i'm like jen hills and then there's bows i had a little dash in your contact i'm like hills bows yes i mean legally my name has officially legally changed to jen bows a lot of people keep like their maiden name as their middle name but i dropped it i like my middle name it's lee very basic but um, I don't know, a little bit traditional in that way. Yeah. So it's already changed, but on, uh, you know, like for work, I have two email addresses. I have Jen Hills and Jen Bose. So clients can email either for like a year. And then I have, um, you know, my Instagram. I haven't changed it all yet. Yeah. So, you know, I know. Such a crazy time. And Such it's actually a crazy time. <laughs> <laughs> and it's actually funny. We, I remember I was listening to your podcast and then I showed up at a session Pilates class at 5 a.m. and Jen comes in guns blazing starts talking about like what are you guys doing up so early and I was like to meet someone that has just as much energy as me at 5 a.m. I used to love those classes the early was it Halloween I feel like it was I know it was before the pandemic um I maybe it was like it was a holiday or something up early maybe not but yeah, it was definitely an early morning class. Yeah, it was it was a 5 a.m. over at Lakewood. Um, and I remember being like, I feel like I know this girl. But it's like we talked about before. It's like, you know them from Instagram and you know them from social media, but you don't know them personally. And then yeah. when she started talking, I'm like, I swear this is a podcast. And then here we are. <laughs> here we are. <laughs> it was so nice going to those early classes because I lived around the corner and I would just like roll out of bed and go. And now I can't do that. Like we are living in, we own a rental house in Argyle which is like pretty far away from everything. It's, yeah. it's where I grew up, but there's no Pilates studios, okay? There's not even like a lot. There's not even like a Starbucks. So we go to South Lake for a lot of things since that's where we're building. And it takes me like 30 minutes to get to my Pilates class. So that's dedication. I got to, if I'm going to wake up early, I got to yeah. wake up like an hour early. Um, I can't just roll out of bed anymore. And like walk around the corner. <laughs> I mean, at 5 a.m. I know I, I used to live right around the corner. I haven't been to those classes in a while. I know they don't have them because um, of the pandemic, but I yeah, know I loved it. Yeah. I like to get things started in the morning. I'm like, it starts your day off on the right note. Get into your day. Um, and obviously we're both into sales. That's kind of what where I wanted to take this conversation today. Um, and that's, you know, part of the reason why I reached out to you is being in an industry that's male dominated and being a very, you know, hard-headed, career-driven type of woman. I think it's really hard to be successful and it takes a lot of a personality and a lot of drive. Um, And so kind of my first question is to you is like, why did you get into sales and what has kept you motivated over the last 10-ish years in your career? Yeah, I don't know if I'm as motivated now as I was (laughs) 10 years ago. But, um, you know, I was in college at University of Oklahoma. I was studying advertising And, um, you know, I had all my friends in the program 
that were accepting jobs at like the Richards Group in Dallas and big agencies and ad agencies. And I sat down with my dad and I was like, man, I don't know, you know, if I want to do that or I'm not like super creative, like graphic design or, you know, any of that stuff. And I wasn't doing well in those classes. I liked the writing classes. um, But, you know, going into like news and journalism just doesn't really pay well. And my dad was like, look, um, you know, I think you can chase your passion or you can think of the lifestyle you want to live. You know, do you want to go on three or four vacations a year? Do you want to live in a house you want, drive the car you want, be able to buy the things you want without worrying? And he said, sometimes I think people get so hung up on their passion, but sometimes that passion does not actually lead you to a lifestyle that you've always imagined you'd have. And he said, I really think you have a knack for sales. Um, you know, you're really like poised and um, you speak eloquently and you're kind of a go-getter. And so my dad was really a big motivator and hype man getting me to go into sales. And so I accepted a job as like an IT recruiter, which had a path to sales really quickly. And I was promoted like three months to sales. So that was my first job out of college. Um, and that's kind of why I chose sales because my dad was basically like, look, you can make a lot of money in sales. It's really uncapped. You know, you don't have like a salary every day. You you can make you make as much as as hard as you work. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I left the uh, staffing firm and went to a partner uh, solutions integrator in IT, which you're familiar with for about nine years and really started cold calling and making like 40 grand, you know, little bonuses here for setting (laughs) meetings and then moved up very quickly. And for me, um, yes, definitely a boys club. There were women on our sales team that were probably 20 plus years older than me um, and had probably dealt with a lot more than me in regards to like the boys club patriarchy, definitely a male dominated industry. But that was still there for me, not so much within the company I worked for, but with interfacing with clients and vendors um, because we worked a lot. We work a lot with partners like Cisco, Dell, HP, VMware. And a lot of those reps were like men in their 50s. And a lot of the buyers, (laughs) IT buyers, are like men in their 50s. And um, that's where I experienced a lot of like, oh, yeah, like, sure, take me to happy hour. And for me, I wanted to go to happy hour for business purposes. And it always felt like they want to go to happy hour for different reasons. You know what I mean? So it's tough being a sales rep in an industry and trying to make it clear. I'm here for business and that's it. But um, I made a lot of money at a very young age. I was able to buy, you know, a couple houses, cars I wanted, travel, hike Machu Picchu, just all the things I want to do, which I'm very grateful for. And that's what really kept me going. I know a lot of people say like money isn't the ultimate reason, but when you're in your 20s, those years after college, making a lot of money and seeing the direct result of like your hard work and being able to go where you want, do what you want without limitations, that was really rewarding for me. So that's kind of what kept me going for so long. Yeah. And I think too, you touched on, you know, two things. The first is your dad, which is actually the exact same as me. My dad was in med sales and I always thought I wanted to be a physician's assistant or a physical therapist. 
And I kind of always knew I was like my dad, just very similar personalities. I think I get the attitude from my mom. Um, but I just was always like, I don't want to go into sales. I never thought I would. And then here we are, you know, got brought down to Dallas. Same thing as you, you know, worked on the partner side. Um, and the second thing too, is I think, you know, people like us and not that it's a negative thing, but I think if you're in sales, like you're driven by money and it's, you know, I think some people are like, oh, if there's a negative connotation to it, but I do mm-hmm. think that it's like, that's why you're in there. Cause you want to live a lifestyle. And, you know, for me, it's like my passion has always been, you know, yoga and working with people and now the podcast. So it's like, I think there's a way to kind of balance the two of those. Um, and as you just mentioned, you know, it's kept you going for the last 10 years. And I know on your latest podcast, you kind of talked about the phase that you're in right now of, you know, congratulations, you're about to be a mom, but you're Mm kind of in that transition phase. So kind of speak to that. How do you keep going? You know, you've made all this money, you've had all this success, but I think you get to this top point and this peak and then, and that's kind of the direction I think my life is going. Like I'm working my way to the top, but I don't want to get to that place and then just be like, what's next? Yeah. You know, which I, I'm sure you can talk to. So, yeah, you know, and I'm very open about kind of my financials and stuff. You know, I was like 29, making like over $300,000 a year. And I was able to really support myself. And that was very nice to have whenever I was single or in the wrong relationships. I never, when I was in a wrong relationship, uh, I never felt the safety or the comfort of eventually marrying that person and like combining our bank accounts or having that person support me, you know, because if they left me or if something didn't work out, I, you know, I didn't want to be left with nothing or yeah. uh, not have my own job. When you meet the right person, that perspective for me personally shifted. I feel a lot more comfortable, a lot, um, you know, a lot more trust. And I have contributed a lot in the way of, I have big sums of money where I put down payments on like our lot and our architecture design for our new home. And I bought our um, investment property, which is our rental house, which we rent out, but right now we're living in. And so um, being able to contribute in that way has been really nice. And then monthly payments are kind of in my husband's. Uh, He's handling that for me. And that takes a lot of weight off my shoulders because I've just during COVID had a big shift in my career I unfortunately left that very successful uh, book of business and career I was at. I say unfortunately, I needed a change. I was yeah. I was there eight and a half years, um, right before COVID, and then during COVID, just pro- was with a startup, and it just didn't make sense. And so I left and went back to the partner space. So I feel like the past two years I've been rebuilding and then rebuilding again. And going from a very tenured sales rep role to starting over and rebuilding a book of business is very tough. And um, it's fine, but it's just, it's it's burned me out a little bit. So I'm in this place where I'm working and I have to, we're building a home, (laughs) you know, we're having a baby, but I have, uh, my perspective has shifted on not having to make great sums of money be the most aggressive on the sales team and absolutely be the top person every year. It's just shifted a little bit. My focus isn't really there the way it used to be. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I think, you know, we're both Enneagram eights. We're both independent. We're both. And I think until COVID and until I went home and spent time with my family, I always was like, I want to work my way to the top. I want to own my own business. I want to do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know if I want to get married. I don't know if I want to have kids. And then it was like a 
complete 360. And it's like, I still want to have those things. But I think, and I know you've touched on this before, is like, don't let your career define who you are. And I think that's one thing that, you know, I'm 24 now, about to be 25, but it's like from 16 until 23, that was what it was. You know, I was always working all the time and I felt like that was what my identity was. And it's like, once you go through COVID and you kind of go through a shift, you're like, it's not who I am. I There's so many other things that can define that. And I think it's a part of who we are, but it's mm-hmm. not allowing that or not allowing you know money to be the thing that keeps you going every single day. It's nice to do all of those things. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, if I'm not happy in who I am and what I'm doing, it's you have to make a change. Yeah, I think, you know, and I, th- I think we get happiness from different areas. When I was 24, um, 24, 25 to about 30 were some of my best years financially and some of my most fun years. <laughs> I was mostly single during those years until the end. But, um, you know, traveled a ton of places with girlfriends, like girls trips, um, you know, did, did fun things, did whatever I wanted and um, was killing it financially. And sometimes there are some years of your life where I think your career does define you and that's okay. Yeah. You know, um, and I was very proud of that. I will always be proud of everything I accomplished in my 20s because I killed all curiosity. You know, I think some people kind of settle a little early, either with their career or their marriage. You know, they get married like a little too early um, and miss out on a lot of those things. And that's okay for people who don't have very curious minds. I do. I wanted to date all the people, go all the places buy all the things, right? And I didn't want to have limitations put on me by a relationship. So for me, going out and experiencing all that was very important and being able to do it like self-sustaining financially was very important. Now that I'm married to the right person, I have a baby on the way, um, I have no curiosity, yeah. right? I've done it all. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same with my husband. He has done it all. I'm telling you, that boy lived it up before we met. So... I think for us, that's what's been the most, um, I don't know, rewarding thing is that we both went there and had that identity with our careers. And now we've met each other and our priorities have shifted. Yeah. Which I mean, they always say like work hard in your 20s. And this is I recently left the partner side, um, stayed in IT, but went to a little bit more faster pace. It's HR software. But I think that's kind of why I make the change because I'm like, I wanted to be in charge of my own destiny. I wasn't really getting that at my old company. Um, And I've always been a go getter. But it's like you want to work hard in your 20s so you can enjoy your 30s. And it's Mm -hmm. like once you get to your 30s and I always say we're going to get into relationships because I think you have good advice. Um, But it's like once you get to that Thursday and your priorities change, you want to have that financial stability. And that's why I always say, I'm like, people are like, you work all the time or, you know, you have so many things going on. I'm like, I'm doing this now for my family later. Mm-hmm. Like I want to build myself up and experience all those things and make mistakes now. So when I get to that place in my life, it's like, I don't look back and say, what if, or why didn't I go on that trip? Or why didn't I reach out to that person? Or why did I do this? You know, and I think it kind of ties into, and I don't know if you can, you know, agree with this or being an Enneagram great, Enneagram eight Mm -hmm. and the independence. And it's just like, that is one thing that I think sometimes stops me in relationships is that it's like, I'm so independent that there's such a fear of settling around it. And that's just like something I'm working with internally is that it's like, Settling is one of the scariest things ever. And it's just like, I almost take it too far. 
you know are you me when i was 24 <laughs> i am <laughs> telling you i was i was working on the partner side and we say partner side for people that aren't in it yeah um you know you have companies like cisco dell hp vmware um who all make a piece of the pie for businesses it infrastructure um, but they don't make everything right. Uh, now they kind of do. But back in the day, they needed a integrator or mm-hmm. an engineers to cohesively put it all together. So that's what we do. Um, and that's what I did for a very long time. But yeah, um, I will say y- women who are an Enneagram 8 <laughs> and like to be in control, uh, the biggest thing is not wanting restrictions put on you by another person and especially like a man <laughs> in a relationship. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, you you have to understand that that's unique because most women are not an Enneagram 8, um, especially in like social circles. You know, for me, when I was meeting the wives and girlfriends of whoever I would be dating at the time, a lot of the women were not like me. And so starting my first podcast helped me meet more women Mm -hmm. that had that mindset so we could share our experiences. But it is a big fear. And I think it's good to have that a little bit to have that fear of settling with the wrong person. You know, you have to date and you have to be independent and the right person will will be, be the right balance, you know, but I was the exact same way. Yeah. And, and I'm still that way. Like if my husband, you know, God forbid, doesn't want to, you know, do something I want to do, or uh, I feel like he's putting any type of like boundaries on me with his opinion. I'm like, I can't, I can't with your opinion right now. You know what I mean? Like he's like, Oh, this is your Enneagram eight coming out. So he understands, <laughs> which is kind of what you need. You need to find the right person for you. And that's not what every woman needs. And it took me a long time to realize that because I was always like telling my friends, no, you don't want to do that. But everyone has a different worldview and everyone views relationships different. So if you are a go getter, um, you know, especially in your 20s, working hard um, and it sounds like you, you know, you don't want restrictions on yourself. You're probably an Enneagram 8 and that's okay. (laughs) Through and through. (laughs) Yeah, there is a right person for you. Yeah. You know, um, but you don't want to settle with the wrong person because it will inhibit, it will kind of put restrictions on your dreams and things you want to do for sure. Absolutely. And I think that's one thing that like immediately drew me to you and your story is because first off, I I basically am you. I'm like, every time you talk, I'm just like, this girl is speaking my language. And I also think it's hard to there's not very many people out there, kind of like you said, like, I feel like sometimes I'm the minority yeah. and, you know, I'm the girl that all my friends are trying to set me up with. And I'm just like, it's it's just a no. Like, I just don't know how to tell you. It's just a no. And they're like, you're so picky. And I'm like, I have to be picky because it's my life. And I blame, it's all my mom because my mom's the exact same way. I get annoyed easily. I'm like, if you're talking to me and I'm annoyed, like you just said, <laughs> put the hand, like, stop talking. I'll talk to you when I want to. And I think that's, again, like big, been my biggest challenge. It's like, I'm not going to settle. And I think for so long, I almost apologized for it. And now it's like, once you realize who you are as a person, it's it just, I feel like my life just changed. It's mm-hmm. like, I know who I am and people around me realize that. And it's like, you either like me for who I am or I'm moving on. I think one thing about Enneagram 8 women that people need to know because I think men would hear this and be like oh god what a pill like she's gonna be hard to deal with I don't want to I don't want to date somebody like that like she go be a feminist somewhere else it's not really that I think 
Um, Enneagram eights are one of the most loyal um, Enneagrams that that you can date. And truly, um, and because we are financially successful on our own, we're not the type of woman who's going to chase someone who for money. And then if they're not doing well, leave them or cheat on them for someone else. Right. We are very loyal. And um, I am a lot softer at home in mm-hmm. my home life than my work life. I mean, I my husband has to care for me like I need him to you know, cuddle me and make me things and get me coffee. And in a sweet way, he cares for me. And in my career, I care for myself. And I have a way of separating that. And I think most women in our position do because just because you are chasing your career, it doesn't mean you're not a woman with needs at the end of the day. It's like there's male energy and female energy. And I think if you can channel some of that (laughs) male energy, which is mostly dominant and aggressive at work, just be your true authentic self at home and let those boundaries down. That is a really healthy eight, <laughs> you know, and you struggle- she's my therapist. <laughs> <laughs> I struggled with that when I was younger. Yeah. I struggled with bringing that energy home and, um, you know, and it probably, and it, it wasn't the right person for me back then. Exactly. But when you bring that ener- energy home, it doesn't get you anywhere. You you have to uh, like listen to other people and you have to be cared for uh, despite being, I don't need a man, you know? Yeah. Um, that's the personality that I think is an unhealthy eight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to know you don't need someone else, but you don't have to like Verbalize tell everybody it. you date that, right? They'll get it. They'll understand quickly. You know, they'll understand that you're taking care of yourself and they'll hear you on your work calls. They'll get it. Right. Yeah. Um, very subtle. That's the best way to come across. <laughs> and it's actually hilarious that you said that, too, because I think it also ties back into immaturity. You know what I mean? I think it was the times and, you know, I think it was up until honestly recently that I wasn't in a place that I wanted to be in a relationship. And so it was just like, I knew internally that it was just never going to work. And I was kind of said, which everyone's like, don't put timelines. And I was like, until I'm 25 and I'm making six figures, I just knew I didn't want to date anyone. And it wasn't, I just knew that I wasn't going to be happy with who I was until I kind of fulfilled that area. And then once I was happy in myself, I knew I could give that same to the other person. But it's actually funny you said that because that is just how I am. I And I, it's an overcompensation because there's a fear of loss of independence in that. And I actually talked about that on an earlier episode. And I think it's, again, hard for people to resonate with because I don't know many of my friends that think like me, if any, you know what I mean? And you are, you know, one of the few people that I've met that you feel that. And it's not something that, you know, and again, it's hard for guys to like recognize that. And they're like, oh my gosh, you know, she's pushing me away or doing this. And it's just like, it's a, you're not the right person for me and b the right person knows that, you know, I need space and to kind of like, let me do my thing I'm going to be there for you. And I kind of goes back to the most loyal. But I think for me, I've almost had the opposite of people thinking that I'm elsewhere, like I'm cheating on them or I'm doing other things. And it's like just because I'm independent, like to do my own thing doesn't mean I'm doing anything bad. It just quite literally means I'm doing my own thing. Yeah, you don't. Ace can't date an insecure man. That sounds like an insecure (laughs) man. (laughs) Um, and, And that's a problem, too. Right. You said you didn't want to be in a relationship. Oh, yeah. And first of all, I had several years where I was single, but I was like talking to four guys at the same time. <laughs> and sometimes, you know what? You have to do that. Like yeah. I, there was a time where I was like, I'm living my best life and I 
was hitting the clubs and I was dating this guy and then dating this guy and all of their names like started with a C. It was like, a you know, they all had like a C. Um, and I like built a roster. Do you remember that movie with Zac Efron um, where they like built a roster? Me and my friends really cut on to that. Okay. Like we were like, we got to build our roster. And this was the thing. It's okay to be single and have fun like yeah. that when you're young. You just don't want to carry that on too long. Yeah. But for me, I wasn't ready to be in like a one-on-one relationship with a guy. So I did have a lot of fun. And here was the key. This My husband might kill me for saying this. But <laughs> the one you really like, like the number one on your roster, you don't sleep with. Okay. Oh, you, for sure. You go out, you look cute and flirty at the club, you get his attention, maybe you make out, but you always leave him wanting more. And then you go home, you call your number two who you're comfortable <laughs> with, bastards, but nobody knows about the number two. And so we would have this roster and we would like have a home base guy that nobody knew about who we were like comfortable. You know, you want to be safe if you're sleeping with somebody. Um, but it was like your home base. But you would always leave that guy that you liked wanting more all the time. He had no idea about the home base. And so until, until you became exclusive, you always kept him wanting more. And it worked. Like all my friends had a roster. Did you find this movie? Was it called That Awkward Moment? Yes. That Awkward Moment with Zac Efron. No, I have never seen that. You have to go watch it. We were like, <laughs> we were the girl version of it, me and my friends. But, you know, that lasted for like a year or two. And yeah. it's like a really fun summer memory. But... When you don't, when you're not in the position where you want to be in a relationship, I think that's when you need to go be curious, mm-hmm. date different guys, have fun, travel, you know, flirt a little bit here and there and like dabble to see what kind of guys you like and don't like. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, I can't, I've never done, I never had a roster. I've always been, I mean, and my friends always make fun because I've never in my life had a serious boyfriend. Um, and I mean, I've dated around and stuff like that, but I think for me, I've always been very monogamous in the sense, like I've always kind of dated to marry. Maybe it's an old school thought, but it's just like, I knew if I didn't, it's usually took me four to six weeks to realize I didn't like you. And after that, I was like, I'm out of here. Um, yeah. So I think that's kind of just been my attention span. And I just, again, go back to being annoyed. Like you say one thing wrong. And my mom said that she's like, I used to date a guy. And if he said one thing wrong, I was over him. And I'm like, and I want to wonder where I get it from. So <laughs> I think men can sense when women go on a date or two and the woman is dating to marry. I really think they, they, they can sense that. And I think... If you go in without the mindset that I want to be monogamous, maybe this could be my future husband. Maybe we'll get married. Maybe I'll give it four weeks. I would just go into it and say like, I'm here to have fun Fun. and just have fun and then go on a date with someone else. And um, you don't have to be monogamous until you guys are monogamous. I truly believe that. And if you feel, you know, communicate feelings and you can tell that you guys are just talking to each other. I mean, I think the man will make that clear. Oh, right yeah. when I started dating Michael, um, within a couple dates, it was clear that he was only interested in me and he was not going to talk to anyone else. And he pursued me very aggressively mm-hmm. where I was still kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. You know, I just got out of a relationship. I got to slow this down. And I kept trying to slow it down. Um, but he made it very clear that he wasn't going to date anyone else. And men who don't do that don't deserve Mm-mm. you thinking that they're you're going to be monogamous one day don't even think about it oh no because then you're just putting out the vibes that i'm just trying to get married yeah you no. don't want to put that out no. <laughs> <laughs> but i do think too it's like i think that's almost been my issue is that in you know i'm not from dallas and so none of my friends are 
like from home are even close to being married, but I feel like here it's always been a very relationship centric. And I almost feel that like my intentions are like, I'm happy to get to know you, but I'm not going to promise anything. And it's like, I always knew I wanted to get married, you know, closer to 30. Again, I know there's not a timeline. The right person came tomorrow. I get that. But I just think like my mindset was always, when I get closer to 30, I'll know who I am more. I'll have more financial stability. You know, I'll be ready for that commitment. And it's just not something that's in my mind right now. But I think in Dallas, it's either one extreme or the other. They're either. Yeah, you're either a major slut, which I say that word because it exists. I, I, <laughs> I never want to shame women, but there are slutty women just like there's slutty men, right? Yeah. And there's slutty men that hit the clubs and stay there for 20 years. Um, and you never want to marry that man. And and I agree. You don't really want to marry the no. slutty woman either. And then there's just, I want to marry every person I go on a first date with. And I think what I tried to come across in my 20s is I'm fun. I'll be serious about people that are serious about me if I like them. Yeah. And if not, then I'm going to have fun and I'm going to talk to a couple guys and really feel this out and yeah. really get rid of any curiosity and see what I like. And I think that's just a part of dating and growing. Mm-hmm. You have to see what you like. There's nothing wrong with talking to a guy here, talking to a guy there, if you're not in an exclusive relationship. And if a man's not pursuing you the way you should be pursued, yeah. there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. I know. And it's such a, it's such a different age now again, because like all my friends are trying to hook me up with people. And I'm like, I just have always had like, when it's meant to be, it's going to be. And maybe it's the yoga and the meditation and the journaling in me. But I just feel like, it shouldn't be a job. It shouldn't be like, I know relationships take work, but I just think for me, it's like, you know, and I have a strong faith. It's like, I know when the right person is going to come to my life, it's going to be there. And until there, it's just like, I'm not going to, you know, put pressure on things or I'm not going to really go out of my way, which my friends are like, you need to go out of your way. And I'm like, I just, I'm just here to have fun. Like if I see him across the bar, cool. Yeah. And you, you know what? I think Instagram's like the best dating app. I would never even get on a dating app. Like Instagram yeah. is friends of friends. Typically, that's how Michael and I met. I was just going to ask that. Go yeah. on your, how, how'd you guys meet? Oh, Instagram. I mean, mine was, I had turned mine private after I, you know, got out of my other relationship. <laughs> and, um, he requested to follow me. And so, of course, I accepted. I was like, who's this really tall guy? I mean, he's like six, eight. And so I followed him back, but we didn't communicate with each other. Yeah. And then that same night I was out, I was always going, like when I was single, I would go out and and definitely make myself available to meet people, but Mm -hmm. I would just go out with girlfriends. Yeah. So me and two of my friends were out and we were at high fives and I was like, (laughs) oh my God, that's that tall guy that added me on Instagram today. And I didn't go up to him. I don't think he saw me, but I messaged him the next day and I was like, I think... I maybe saw you at high fives last night. And he was like, we both know it was me because there's not a lot of six, eight dudes running around (laughs) Dallas. And I was like, oh, and that was the only line he ever had. And then he was just sweet from there on out. So that's how we met. And then we went on a date that following day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, he had heard about me from a friend of mine, like a a mutual friend. Mm -hmm. And that's how he was like, oh, I'm going to add her. You know, so it's always kind of like, a distant friend, but we had never met. No one thought to hook us up before. You know what I mean? And that's how I've met in, not that I'm anti-dating apps, teach their own. Everyone has an, you know, do you do you. I had one of my really good friends that, you know, just met a great guy on. I just don't think it's my personality. I'm like, I've always met people through mutual friends or I've met people out. It's like, I just never really felt the need to, but I agree. I mean, 
you never know who you're going to meet in a group of friends. And I, we're very sociable. So it's like, I'm always, you know, in this person's group or this person's group. So I would always get a girlfriend or two to go to dinner and then go get a drink somewhere afterwards. Because like at dinner, people don't want to come up and bother you. But if you go get a drink somewhere afterwards, you're kind of opening yourself up to meet people. And it doesn't matter if it's a Thursday or whatever. I, I do think that that's a good way to put yourself out there without putting yourself out there. Like I'm just, you know, after dinner, let's go grab a drink somewhere scope it out and then leave you know <laughs> jen in her twenties. So, scope it out and then go home and get some good sleep <laughs> so you know yeah you don't want to stay in your home all day and then no. be like why am i not married but yeah you don't want to be thirsty either i do think there's a fine balance and it's not just women men have to be that way too because men that are constantly out constantly at the clubs constantly like hooking up with every girl and they get a bad reputation like that guy's going to struggle to find a good girl. And same with women. If you've got that reputation, like you're going to struggle and, and you're going to have to combat that. Right. So I think there's like a very healthy balance that people struggle with. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of goes back into like balancing your career too. And, you know, I don't, obviously I don't know you and your Michael and your relationship, but I think what, what I've always been looking for is someone that's a, obviously confident in themselves. They wouldn't be able to handle me um, if they weren't. But it's like also someone that values their career just as much as I do and doesn't feel threatened by me wanting to. And all my friends are like, you're always going to date someone that's older, which I always have. I mean, you know, three, four, five years older. It's just naturally who, who I've been attracted to because I think they're emotionally mature enough to realize that like she might be hardheaded and she's stubborn, but, you know, this is what she's passionate about. And again, like when I am home or when I'm with you, I try to take more of like a feminine energy, which is still something I think it kind of goes back to being vulnerable, like allowing myself to be vulnerable and not feeling fear around that. Um, but I guess kind of my question to you is like when you met Michael and obviously you guys are married now, it's like, did you feel that he respected you in your career more than anyone else had? Or how has that balance been? Yeah. <laughs> Michael is more of an advocate for my own career than I am. And I can't even explain that enough. Like he's literally sat on my laptop when I've been kind of frustrated or down. And he's sent 40 prospecting emails from my laptop as me to prospects. And he will reach out to people on LinkedIn from my LinkedIn profile. If I'm like just really frustrated um, he's constantly calling and saying, hey, saw this new company's coming to town. Here's the contact. You know, he's very, very supportive and he's always trying to help me with whatever I'm working on. Um, very supportive of the podcast. You know, he was like a guest six times. And um, when I, you know, when I couldn't, ha when I couldn't find a guest. So he's always available for that. And yeah, I think that's something um, that's really important. Michael doesn't, um, expect me to be a different person when I'm at home. I I don't I don't want to portray that I'm this aggressive person at work and I'm you know not myself at home. Yeah. Um. I think what you said, vulnerable, is a really good word because if you have all these walls up, which eights tend to do, mm -hmm. um, that can just be unhealthy for any relationship mm -hmm. at home. You don't want to have walls up. So. I think he knows, look, I, strong energy. He calls me, you know, <laughs> boss babe, whatever. Um, but he understands that I also have needs yeah. as a woman. And I think that's what's important. Someone who's lets you be yourself and your career, um, but they'll also take care of you when you need in, in different ways, right? And not put you in a box. Well, she doesn't need me. She doesn't need this, right? That's kind of the 
overall encompassing relationship that we have. And it took a really long time for me to find that. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I mean, and it's hard. I need a Michael. I'm like, it's just yeah. hard to find someone that sees that and appreciates that. And again, it's like, you know, that doesn't feel threatened by it, but also encourages you. And I think for me and why I've always been so picky and why I've always like, I will preach never settle to all my friends. I'm like, I always have. I always will. I've always been your biggest supporter. But it's like, I also think it's because I've seen that in my parents and I've seen their balance. And, you know, if my dad's struggling, my mom's right there. Or if mm-hmm. my mom's struggling, my dad's right there to pick her back up. And it's always this balance. And there's so many phases of life. And I think, you know, tying it back to a little bit earlier of not settling, it's because life, you never know what's going to happen. You never know. Yeah. And if you're with someone that's not there to bring you up when you're low or send those emails when you're having a bad day, it's like he knows what's important to you and he knows what you thrive on and what brings back that energy and just encouraging you. In this yeah. Way. And I think most people know me or that started following my podcast is from my original podcast where I called off my engagement. I was engaged before and um, was in like a four year relationship when I was approaching my 30s. And I think that that relationship, I was settling and putting a lot of restrictions. And I did a whole episode about it. I'm actually going to release an episode, which is like a two-year update where I'm going to play that old audio. I think that um, women, especially in their upper 20s, close to 30s, maybe even early 30s, do start to get to a point where they settle for the wrong person because that clock is ticking and they want to get married and have children. And I've even said recently, I wish I could have married Michael a little bit younger and had children a little younger, but I also wouldn't marry someone else who I dated when I was younger. Right. That's just how my life worked. Um, But I think people settle as they get older and they're like worried they're not going to find anyone or they wasted time. And I met Michael two months after I called off my engagement, which people will judge and say is rushed, but it's just the way life worked out. Mm -hmm. And I think life always works out if you walk away from settling, walk away from what's holding you down. The universe, God, whatever you believe in, has a way of stepping in and putting the right things in front of you. But you have to walk away from what's not serving you, whether that be a relationship or a career or whatever. The right things will come into place. And so that was my whole story, you know, dating people who weren't right for me, dating someone who I knew it was not going to work out, who I wasn't comfortable really marrying, having to make that hard decision and then meeting Michael, who's like perfect for me. Yeah. (laughs) So I do think women tend to settle more than men. Um, And it's really tough for women like us because you're like, is it me? Am I the problem? Why these relationships aren't working out? Because I'm too much of an alpha female and men don't like that no No. you're just with the wrong man yeah truly and I always tried to like change myself but when I finally was like you know what fuck this yeah (laughs) that's literally where I'm now yeah yeah Yeah, you're fine (laughs) yeah fuck this and I'm gonna go I know there's someone out there when I called off that engagement I was talking to my friend Sammy we were having wine one night and I was like what I want is to have a man who we could go to a karaoke bar nobody's heard of it's not cool nobody he knows is going to be there but we're just with us and a couple friends and i get up and sing and he's like yeah baby that's go that's my girl like <laughs> hell yeah like i was like that's the kind of guy i want to marry yeah he doesn't care who's there he's not there for the scene 
He's not embarrassed that I'm up there. He's not embarrassed that I'm taking the spotlight. He's cheering me on. And that's what I described that I wanted and like put that out in the universe. universe. Yeah. Oh, that's what it gave me. <laughs> the universe is, uh, yeah. I always say it's, a, and it's so true because even like with my career recently, I just like knew, I'm like, I know there's something more. And I wrote down like my manifestations for this year and like the things that I wanted. And one of them was like hundred K coal by the end of this year. And within two months, I had a new job opportunity that I knew I was going to get me there, left my old. And I feel like my entire energy shifted. And it's yeah. like, when you know what you want and you kind of just have that again, kind of like fuck that attitude or just, I'm just not willing to settle and I'm just not willing to compromise. And I know, and I think for so long, I thought it was me. And now I've gotten to this place where it's like, I think I know who I am, but I'm also thankful in a way that I came into this earlier. But I also think that I am only 24 and 25 coming into this. It's harder to find guys my age that match that or people that understand that because they're still in yeah. that like I feel like your 20s are usually like that figuring out stage but I've always hung out with people that are you know in their 30s like you or well that's good I mean and don't lose that energy and sense of confidence because as you get older and let's say you're still frustrated or you're not with the right guy you know four or five years from now I was single four or five years from where you are today yep. and then met Michael a month or two before I turned 30 so truly, I mean, you can you can date someone, not settle and don't ever lose that sense of self because it's so easy to be so confident and then get into a relationship and like lose that a little bit. But I really, truly, I think that's so great that you already know who you are and you're like, I'm focused on this. Yeah, I'm not going to settle. And if you got to date someone who's 30 and, and gets you, then I think that's great. Go for that. Go get that older man. Does Michael have a clone? <laughs> there are so many good men out there like him. There are so many good men. And I think people see the dating scene around them and they're like, all the good men are taken. Yeah. And when you put that out there, there that's, that's always going to be your story. Yeah. You're never going to find a good man. But I was like, you know what? There are there are so many men, especially in if Dallas. I had to move to Canada. I mean, there are men. <laughs> there are great men everywhere. It is such a big world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just go, just go. Don't settle. And and there are good, good men out there. I've always said you could fill a room with nice men. You can you can oh, fill absolutely. a room with a ton of good, kind men. And I think women get a little bit. A little bit feminist, a little bit anti-men. That's exactly where you knew where I was taking this conversation. <laughs> that yes. toxic um, feminist stuff. I mean, I'm all, I'm. hey, if there's anyone that's like, boss babe, woman, go follow your dreams. But you can't be so toxic in that, that you don't appreciate men for what they bring to the table. Exactly. Uh, men bring such a different perspective, just the way women do. And they have a different set of like, skills and and emotions and things they can bring and i think we have to value men for who they are and mm -hmm. you can fill a room with good men and not enough women think that they think all men are bad there's not any good ones left and Absolutely. whatever at least he doesn't do this right at least he doesn't hit me or cheat on me it's like no there's a lot let's have some more standards here or you know? i mean tying back into my podcast saying positive attitude. I think there's so many times where people have such a like negative connotation about it. And for me and my friends, I'm always like have the whatever happens, happens, you know, if it's meant to be, it's going to be. And it's not like a I don't care attitude. It's just like a positive 
healthy thought process when it comes to relationships. It's like, I'm not going to demean. And I've been there before where it's like, I felt threatened or I didn't feel secure in a relationship. So I was taking that out on the person. And now I've realized that it's like, A, it wasn't the right person. And B, that's why, you know, we're attracted to men, especially like you and I, it's like, cause they bring a different energy and they bring a different perspective. And I think, you know, that's one thing. And some of the guys that I like the most, they brought something different and they were so different than me. And that's why I was so intrigued by them. I'm like, you're so patient. You think through things differently, mm-hmm. but yet you're still supportive. I mean, I feel like there's so many things that women just have this like negative mindset and it's society that puts it on that, but it's like, you're encompassing a belief that you might not even believe true to yourself you know what I yeah. mean yeah no I agree I think um you know when Michael and I started dating and we would run into some of these issues where we were really figuring each other out he was like he just peeled back the layers in a way that no one I always think of like an onion that no one had ever done for me before were tried to see where I was coming from he was like okay, you are this way and you have walls up and um, because you've you've worked in a male-dominated industry where, uh, you know, people either took advantage of you or, um, you know, didn't take you serious because you were a young female in this industry. And so you've built up over years this wall and that's why you are the way you are. Mm-hmm. And you always have something to prove And so, you know, you carry that over into relationships. And I was like, oh, my God, who are you? (laughs) You're so right. And he understood me because it was true. I did always have something to prove. Like, and I would carry that over into relationships just like you. And once you learn that and you learn a healthy balance of I can be a dominant direct force at work and hey I can be very clear about what I need at home and direct in my needs and set expectations but I don't have to be the boss of who I'm dating yeah no I don't have to boss them around around. I don't have to I I can be open-minded and I can be vulnerable and that's where I think a lot of women like us miss miss out right Mm -hmm. it's just if you're bossy at work you're bossy at home and I think you can't boss anybody around, no matter who you are. Yeah. You've got to be vulnerable to to really feel true love. Yeah. So, yeah, he unpacked that. And I was like, man, this guy. <laughs> but I think it kind of ties back to like the right person is going to see that and value that. And they care enough about you to uncover it. And I think that's kind of where I've been. It's like, I know. And I think it's finding that balance because like when you're working 40 hours a week and then you go home, it's like a transfer of a mindset. You know what I mean? Like there's expectations. We have to prove ourselves in sales. Like you have to work your ass off. You have to do all these things. You know, you're getting told no 25 times over. And so I think for it's like the balance that when you take that home, recognizing that that person is there to like decompress, but also someone that cares enough about you to take off those layers. And I always tell people, and even like guys, I'm joking around. I'm like, I know I'm a hard ass, but I promise you, if you actually get to know me, there's a heart deep beneath there that you may not see. But I think it's almost a ch- not a challenge, but I think the guys that understand that for me, not like think it's funny, but they're just like, okay, I know the real Aaron underneath there. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like, there's a banter back and forth between it. And it's like, they know how to like challenge me when I need challenge, but they also know like when to back off when it's like, okay, yeah, she cares. She has emotions. Let's not like take it too far or. Yes. I never told Michael that. I think he just saw that in the way that I was very loyal and um, 
loving to my friends. I had a friend going through, I had two friends going through something really hard in their life, right? When Michael and I first met and I continued to make them, these two friends a priority. I basically let them move in with me. And, um, you know, a lot of me and Michael's first dates included some of my girlfriends (laughs) and we were like, you know, little trio. And, um, he said that he, you know, he didn't always see the emotions and feelings from me for him right away, Mm -hmm. but he could tell I had a deep love and deep heart for my friends and my family. And that, that carries over and like a loyalty and a love for people I care about. And I think you can you can show that's who you are without telling somebody. Yeah. Because it will just come across if that's who you are. Yeah. But going back to the career aspect for a minute, um, when you're on the partner side, you kind of run your own business. Oh, absolutely. And you're not just like a salesperson showing up and buy this. Here's a quote, right? I think a lot of people have a perception of sales that's not accurate. Yeah. You're really managing a business and a book of business. And you have a lot of people that touch your business, pre-sales engineers, project managers, an inside rep, invoicing, delivery engineers. And there's a lot of moving parts. Mm-hmm. And most of those positions are commission only, which I was for years. And you have to manage every aspect and you have to make sure people are like prepped for meetings. I used to do internal prep calls and say, okay, don't say this in the meeting. Here's my agenda for the meeting. And you have to follow up with them, make sure they follow up with the customer and you have to like stay on top of stuff or else that affects your commission and that's how you make money. And so we get into this like hyper control, active controller mode Mm -hmm. and it makes you very successful at work and in sales because if you don't you're like sure just show up to the meeting and you know do whatever you do and you don't have a plan and then you don't control it you're gonna lose a customer or you're never gonna win the deal right you have to be you have to micromanage a little bit and that I think that's what makes eights so successful (laughs) in that but that's where some of those tendencies come from when you're in a sales position because you eat what you kill and anyone who touches my customer we're having i'm micromanaging you <laughs> because that's my pay don't work for jen yeah, <laughs> that is my pay <laughs> so i was always kind of i would micromanage engineers that interacted with my customers i would be like did you take notes let me see your notes you know like and uh it made me very successful because yeah. i didn't just willy-nilly schedule a meeting and then have people show up and like who knows how that could go yeah and so some of that micromanagement makes you very successful in a sales position what's well, also just being intentional and i think it shows that you care and i think one thing that my old bosses always used to say they're like don't ever lose that you genuinely care about the person across the table and i always thought that was a bad thing because like obviously obviously i want to make money everyone does but i think the reason why i'm in sales is because i want to help other people and it's like i love and i crave that interaction and it's like finding the balance between like you i mean we're my boss was used to say you're the quarterback it's like you're in charge of all of these people and it's not in a mean or condescending way it's just like everyone needs to be on the same page or is this going to blow up in our face i mean it's just like anything in life it's like if your headspace is not where it's supposed to be and again it's not in a negative way it's just in like a some people call it controlling i just call it professional or yeah, prepared I, I call it professional and prepared and yeah and i actually tell customers i'm the quarterback so when i meet with net new logos like customers who i've never done business with i say look we do everything from, you know, lower level infrastructure to cloud. 
I'm not an expert in all that, right? Yeah. I've got an uh, engineering team who can help you with your cybersecurity needs, with your route switch networking needs, your servers, your storage, or enterprise agreements. I mean, we do everything. That's what partners and solution integrators do. Um, but think of me as your quarterback. Tell me what your needs are, and I will bring in the right for experts yeah. for those discussions. And also, if you need a quote, if you need questions about invoicing, anything comes through me, and then I'll direct it to the team. And so having that confidence that, and I also display, look, I'm not going to be a CCIE engineer on your router version, yeah. whatever you bought, right? I'm not. <laughs> we gonna, don't even know what that means. <laughs> yeah, I'm not even going to be able to tell you, you know, what it, what certain things are and yeah. wh- why you should buy them. I think that uh, you have to display that on the front end. Like, I'm not here to be your engineer, your technical person. I'm I'm here to corral the experts and the engineers and get you the best people for what your team needs. And so I actually use the quarterback analogy on every new meeting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it's so good. And I think the one thing about sales that, you know, and kind of like moving into the next phase in your life and like where you want to go. I mean, for me, I've always, you know, there's always been an entrepreneurial side of me. Like I've always wanted to, that's a curiosity that I know I just want. And I think the podcast was kind of a step in the right direction. Like this is my own podcast. This is my own brand. This is my own. And I think in sales and like having that, you know, the confidence and the ability to manage people, it's, you can take it anywhere. And so Mm -hmm. I always tell people, I'm like, you know, sales is one of those things that you're not in a silo. You know what I mean? It's like, I could do sales for 10 years and then go, you're always selling yourself. You know, we sell IT infrastructure, but you're also selling yourself. People buy, you know, always hear people buy from the people that they like and they trust. And it's so true. And I think it took me a while to kind of like understand that because I thought I have to know everything and I have to do all this. And it's like, if you can talk to people, you can be respectful and you're timely and you do, if I'm going to follow up, I'm going to follow up. I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I'm like, you can have success in anything and you can take that anywhere. I think the follow-up is like the biggest thing mm-hmm. you said because I've lately been winning a lot of new customers because there's a lot of people that do what we do mm-hmm. and they just don't do it well and they're lazy. Uh-huh. And it's it can be an easy job, but you have to respond. And I think you have to have your follow-up and do due diligence after a call where a lot of cus- a lot of reps will have a call, send one email and then not follow up, right? And I think that, I have lately been winning business and customers are like, well, our rep from so-and-so, another three-letter acronym, because that's every every <laughs> um, every partner is a three-letter acronym. There's like five of them. Um, our rep from so-and-so, you know, he just doesn't, he just takes a couple days to respond. Like, we know you're busy, but what, I just can't seem to get things I need. There's no sense of urgency. And literally in sales, you can win a new customer and set yourself apart by just being responsive. I mean, just literally responding quickly and picking up the phone. I, that's how I'm winning business and stealing it from other people. Because I'm like, look, no matter what, I'll always answer your phone call. Yeah. And I'll always respond. And I'll be very on top of it and almost to a point where it's annoying. <laughs> and, yeah. But they appreciate that. Yeah. Because it's like, oh, we just did this deal with this guy and now he's not answering our calls. And I'm like, I'll answer your calls bring your business to me. And that's, that is truly one of the biggest differentiators, differentiators I see with salespeople. They just don't have that sense of urgency, which to me and my old boss will tell you, he's like, you were always on it. And I'm like, to me, just, 
I can't fathom not doing it. And it drives me crazy. And it's like, you know, and I also think it kind of comes back to, you know, the Enneagrams or everyone's personality is different. And I think I've just always been naturally more aggressive. I like the term assertive. I hate when people call me aggressive. It's like, Mm -hmm. I just know what I want. I know how to get there and I'm just going to do it. I'm going to follow up. And, you know, I think again, for so long, I thought it was annoying, but it's like when you're doing business with someone, I want to do business with someone that actually cares. They're going to be responsive because I think when you're responsive, it shows that and the whole thing, I don't have enough time. That's a whole nother conversation. Or that's not my job. I hate those people. Well, it's like you have time for the things that are important to you. And I'm only going to speak for myself or like with working out people. It's like, how do you have time to do all this? I'm like, well, I get up at 5am. I do this and then this because if it's important to me, I'm going to do it. And I think you can bring in relationships. It's like when people make excuses for things, you're just quite literally not a priority. It's like there's a lot of B and C players within organizations, typically not in the sales position, but in positions that support sales, um, you know, like invoicing or, um, you know, project management or something. And even if it's not important to them, I don't care. (laughs) I need, I need you to get on top of it because I am a fully commissioned person. And if you don't respond to the customer and you don't get me what I need, I may lose the customer. And that's part of my income. Yeah. You have a set income. Probably if you're in HR or invoicing or you're somewhere within the organization, you probably have a base salary and bonuses. I don't. And so I have to communicate that to people at a there, you know, and I've gotten feedback for not saying like, please and thank you and including smiley faces in my emails. And I'm like, I'll, I'll always try to say please and thank you. But there's a point where it's just your job. <laughs> Whether I say please or thank you, just do it. S- send me the, the spreadsheet I'm asking for because it, you're getting paid to do so. Right. And that is so irritating to me. And so now I'm like, can you please send me this um, smiley yeah. face? Oh, just following up on this. And the third time I'm calling, hey, I need this by five. Because I turn that way very quick if I don't get it, because I've seen myself lose deals because yeah, not because of me. And let me tell you, I typically don't lose deals because of me. Drives me, yeah. I that's why I switch industries. On top of the pricing, there's on the partner side. There's so many people that could be responsible for you losing an account or losing a deal. I'm so on top of the pricing. Uh, anything that goes to the customer. So if I if I lose a deal, uh, I typically know it's not because of me, and that's not to be cocky, but I'm like eighty percent confident that I did everything I could. Right? Yeah. It's usually because I didn't get something on time, or mm-hmm. you know, we had to do three different calls with the customer because the engineer didn't take notes and can remember, and we asked the customer the same questions over and over again, which really irritates customers. Um, that's why I'm like, why didn't you take notes? Right? <laughs> why you don't you don't want to be asked the same thing seventeen no. times? <laughs> hey, they're like, wait, Listen. we have a we have to have a call to talk about that because we already had a call to talk about that. I was like, I fucking know, <laughs> but the engineer didn't take notes, and I'm not technical. I take as many as I can, but then he asked me a question. I don't know. So yeah, yeah you you there's a lot of B and C players, and that's really hard to navigate. And personally, for me, I've been doing this since I graduated college and I still struggle with my communication style to people in those roles. I have an executive coach and we are working through that. I yeah, think she's I, amazing. 
and I think that's part of the reason why I switched because the company we're for now, it's it's literally your own business. I mean, I do everything from like the first calls. I mean, I have team members that help me like in the presentation and stuff like that, but it's like, you're not bringing in engineers. You're not doing all of that. And I think that's one thing that really, really held me up and I guess it goes back to control, but it's like, I want to control and I want to know that if I did everything in my power, even if I'm working until 8 p.m. to help this customer to get them what they want, if we lose it, it's because of me. Yeah. And I can handle that. Like my ego can handle that. But what I can't handle is when other people aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing when they're supposed to be doing it. And then it falls back on me. And especially as a sales rep, it's like, it's a direct reflection of you. Yeah. And like even in the podcast, it's like, this is my brand. And, you know, I think it's part of the reason why I, you know, went solo is just because I'm like, I just need to know that my success has been from me and there's not someone else holding me back. And I also think too, and, you know, it's not to blame other people for their personalities. Like I think everyone brings something different, but I also don't want, you know, me wanting all these things and me being passionate about things to affect other people because, I'm, you know, so assertive in this way. And it's not a negative thing. I think some people will look at us and be like, oh my gosh, these girls on their high horse and doing this. And it's like, no, we just have certain expectations of where we want to go in life. We have certain expectations of, you know, the things that we want, the people that we want to meet, the direction we want to go. And it's not to apologize to it. It's just who we are. Yeah. I, and that's, I mean, I agree. I, I didn't do well having a co-host on my first podcast. I walked away from it. It wasn't so much the co-host. I was, um, I would get frustrated with her because, uh, you know, we were canceling recordings or not, not putting them out weekly or making promises on Instagram that we weren't delivering on and, um, things not really getting done. And I come from a corporate environment where I follow up on things and I don't think that she responded to that well. She was a creative type. She was such a nice person, though. Yeah. Um, it was really someone in her life that got too involved in our podcast and was telling me I was too aggressive and stuff. And, um, you know, and her and her relationship and her life, uh, I just didn't want to be a part of that anymore. So and I wanted to be able to run the show the way I wanted to run the show, yeah. tight ship and. Um, I also wanted it to be a little bit more professional and poised and not so fun, like and mm-hmm. and kind of shooting the shit, right? I wanted it to be have a point, yeah. Um, and so you know, but I'm also like you, like I wanted to control the situation. I wanted to control what we put out there, um, control the brand, and that can be tough when you have a co-host who's a totally different personality type, right? Like yeah, creative or. Um, and that's one thing that Enneagram has helped me learn that there's a, there's a lot of different people Mm -hmm. who have different mindsets and views. And for the longest time, I'm like, everybody's an idiot. (laughs) And that's what eights think. And I had to get over that and be like, you know what? No, I know really smart people who are so different from me. People who are kind and get things through that and not through force and, um, people who are creative and build a business that way because people just value their creativity. I don't have that. I don't have Mm. a skill set like that. I can offer the world. No, me either. And so, you know, we bring a different thing to the table. Table. Yeah. Um, But it took a long time for me to respect other people's value and worldview. Like a long time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think that's something. And I mean, it's just, you know, treat other people how you want to be treated. But I think that's one thing. And I always say it's like not a bad thing when things fall apart, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's, 
everything falls apart. So bad things can happen together. It's like, you know, what you think is the worst thing going on right now. It's like, there's always, every valley has a hill. And I think, you know, when mine, you know, fell apart and I even told her, I'm like, it has nothing to do with you. It's just, we're so different. And it, it wasn't a compliment. It wasn't something that we grew. It was just, you know, two very different. And I appreciate that. And there's a part of me that wishes I was creative. Like there's a part of me that's oh, me like, too. I wish I was super creative. I'm creative in a different way. I'm not creative in like an artistic way or that type of stuff. It's just not the value. And it's just not my passion, you know? But what you, but the skill set you have is knowing I have an idea in a way I want to take this and I can outsource and hire creative people because I'm never going to go get that skill set, right? I'm not going to know the ins and outs of Adobe and I'm not going to, I have no passion to do that. And I know if I have no passion to do it, I'll do it half ass. And so I want to hire someone who's super passionate about that. Never going to be creative about certain things, but you can say, this is kind of the brand I'm wanting. This is where I'm going. Mm -hmm. Here's the ideas I have. Here's the vision. And then you just hire and engage people to help you bring that to life. And so when you're kind of in control and you have the vision I think trying to do everything is just tough. But if you spend yeah. a little money and invest in people who are really good at it, it is it can be worth it. Oh, absolutely. And it's, yeah. I mean, it goes back to anything, like knowing what you bring to every relationship and knowing what you bring to the table. It's like, I know going into some things, like I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And it's admitting to that. Like, I'll be the first one to say like, A, B, and C, terrible at X, Y, and Z. I got this one and it's outsourcing and finding and that's how you bring a vision to reality. You know, and I think for so long I thought I could do everything by myself because I'm like so hard headed and now I've really realized like I have to leverage. And my friends now are so supportive. They're like, How can we help you? How can we do this? You know, do you need help with a photo? Do you need help with this? Which is awesome when you have those people around you that believe in you and see that in you. Yeah. And really want that. What is your zodiac sign? Or taking that I'm a Taurus. Interesting. Is that oh, yeah. fire sign? It's an earth sign. Oh. Um, so I'm uh, May. Yeah, Taurus is known as very loyal, um, very, you know, we've got horns. So we're kind of very headstrong. Um, we uh, Taurus is also known to like appreciate the finer things in life, which I like a really nice four or five star hotel and a fancy <laughs> meal. <laughs> and uh, so does Michael. So that that goes really well for us. Taurus is known to appreciate things like that as well. And they're known to be kind of hard workers. Wow. I, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Leo through and through. And when I oh, tell people I'm a Leo. a lot about your relationships. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All my Leo friends are like, you know, that's okay. That's probably a part of the Leo is people do think that you would have a tendency to cheat. Yeah. That's probably why you probably don't even know that you were you know. giving that off in your last relationships, but that's very much a Leo thing. <laughs> Everyone I know who's a Leo struggles with that in their relationships. Yeah. I think it's just because I'm naturally, I think I'm, it's just that like I'm naturally more bubbly, energetic person. And I think people take that the wrong way when it's just like, that's just naturally who I am. Leos are bubbly. That's, yeah, that is who they are. Which yeah. I thought through and through you're a fire sign. That's the only thing we're not, everything no, else. Taurus is very serious, very, um, yeah, worker, loyal, very, you know, kind of, um, uh, what am I trying to say? Into into fancy, nicer things. Um, what is the word for that? I always accuse Michael of being it. I'll have to think of it. Materialistic? Yeah, but there's a different... Pretentious. Pretentious. <laughs> a little bit pretentious. Yeah. <laughs> Look, I just, this is what Tauruses are. <laughs> That's who it is. So what's Michael? Michael's a cancer. 
Okay, so he's got the soft. One of my best friends is a cancer, and she's just like, Erin. Cancers are the best people. And Pisces, the water signs, they're usually kind and loving and And, yeah. Yeah, I think, I, I don't know if I would do well with a cancer. I don't know. So Taurus and Cancer are a good match. They're okay. kind of the recommended match for Taurus. Um, what's the recommended match for Leo? I, I don't know. I'm assuming it's the maybe not a water sign. Probably I don't like an Aquarius, like in yeah. January. Go, of, go for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's and it's so interesting because people are like, "Oh, do you look like?" I know some of my friends will look up zodiac signs before they meet someone. They'll get into it, and I—I I mean, I do, and like I've gotten into that stuff. But I also think there's some Leos that I meet, and I'm like, we could not be more opposite. You know, like yeah. you have to. And I think it just where you're at to embody it. You know what I mean? And there's parts of me that are very much of a Leo, and then there's parts of me that are very much, you know. And when I tell people I'm a Leo, they're like, "Of course you are." You are probably a bit more professional than all the other Leos I know. The Leos I know are are like not in the corporate world. They're they're you know creative or a nurse or something like that. Okay, yeah. Um, but I am very into that. Like, don't date an Aries; <laughs> they're the worst. I say that, but <laughs> uh, first of all, I say that. But my mother in law is amazing, and she's an Aries, but in the best way. Yeah. Um, not just because she's my mother in law; she's actually really cool. And she like speaks her mind. She knows what she wants. Yeah. She's a good time and she's fun. And she doesn't have this like tumultuous side of her. A lot of Aries are super, super hot headed mm-hmm. um, and can be very hard to deal with. I have friends and exes who are Aries and I've seen that side, you know, where yeah. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I don't th- fire... One guy I talked to before he was a Leo and it was too much fire. It was just too yeah, much. Yeah, it's the horns. Like an Aries and Taurus doesn't go well. And also to kind of tying back to what you talked about earlier with like being in the spotlight. I think I've always, I don't think I realize it, but I like, I'm the one at the, at the wedding that's dancing on the dance floor, having a good time. I don't care what anyone thinks about me. And yeah. it's like, I need someone that's not like, oh geez, what is she doing? That's just like, okay, you do you. See on the flip side. Cause that's that is Leo's. so me. I'm just like, let me do my thing. Don't tell you, me what to do. <laughs> you probably need to be with a cancer. You probably really do. <laughs> or an Aquarius. I don't know. Somebody that's like lets you shine and, you know, they're a good safe place to call home. And mm-hmm. you're like, that's my girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to think of who else would be like that. I don't, I don't have know. any other friends. I have um, one friend's a Gemini. I'm pretty sure she is. Oh, my good friend's a Gemini. And she's, she's hilarious. She goes, Gemini's are fucking crazy. She's like, <laughs> she goes, uh, she goes, we really are like two personalities. She goes, the the week of my wedding, I was like, I can't marry you. Um, and she's like, I thought I couldn't marry him. And she's like, but it was just my Gemini. Of course I want to marry him. I love yeah. him, but I'm crazy. And I'm like, <laughs> totally two different people. And I was like, oh my God, you're the worst. But at least she knows. Like, she's like, I know that I'm that way. Well, it's just self-awareness. And it's like, you know, you can tie that into anything. I think that's like one thing with me that I'm always open and honest about. It's like, I know this about myself and I'm not going to apologize for it. But I also know that sometimes where my downfall is, is that I, you know, and I'm working on really hearing people out and just like leading with (laughs) empathy and just no matter the circumstance. And I've learned so much more. And that's part of the reason why I wanted to start a podcast is because it's like, I mean, I meet people like you who are quite literally, I mean, 
when I'm 31 or however I'm, I'm going 31. to be you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm sure whoever I marry is probably going to be very similar to Michael. So it's just like you get to meet people that are similar to you and you have that same and they understand you. But it's just opening yourself up and allowing yourself to. You know, we might disagree on certain things, but it's like agree to disagree. And that's where you grow. And that's. Yeah. The podcast helped me meet a lot of really ambitious, entrepreneurial, spirited um uh, you know, opinionated women. And um, I like it because we have really smart conversations. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's tough to find that out in regular life with just circles. You know, first of all, I have friends who will chat all the things with me, politics <laughs> and business and stuff. But then, you know, in, a, in most social settings, not a lot of women are that way, yeah. which is a-okay. But that's why I started my first podcast because I just needed that stimulation and really wanted to highlight like entrepreneurial women who had opinions about things and weren't censored or scared or things like that, you know? And that's why I loved it. Yeah. Truly. I mean, and you just, everyone has a journey and that's, you know, kind of where my brain is going and, you know, the passion behind it is that's like everyone has a story and I think people are so quick to assume things about people or we're so quick to put a judgment or a title or a label or like, Aaron's aggressive or Aaron's this or Aaron's that. And it's like, if you actually get to know me, I promise I'm a great person. I have a great heart. And if you're in my close friend group, I going back to the loyalty, like I will do anything. I will stick up for you. I will take it to the grave. And sometimes I almost go too far with that. Or I, you know, want the best so much in my friends that if I see they're not in the right relationship or the same thing with family members, I get upset. And that's one thing with boundaries and just like learning to, Understand that it's not your life, it's theirs, and you just have to be happy for that. You can't control it. Oh, I give my opinion. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a close friend, I'm like, "Mm, do we think this guy is the one? You know, like, I think you got to have friends like that. I think one of the toughest things for me as an Enneagram 8 and just my personality is um, understanding that I'm okay with very direct feedback. I actually like that. I Mm -hmm. don't like not knowing where I stand with people. If I upset you, I don't want to hear about it from two different people a week later. I want you to just tell me, hey, this kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And let's just, let's just, and then move on. Mm -hmm. I move on from shit really quick, but it's a lot of women don't and they'll stew on it. They'll tell everybody. And then I get pissed and I'm like, (laughs) If you don't want to tell me what's wrong with you and what's bothering you, then I, then I'm going to pretend like nothing's wrong. I'm not going to just because you told someone else and they told me does not mean I'm going to address it. If you've got something, you got to speak to me. And I've been always like very OK with direct feedback. And when I try to give that to people who are not like me, it's not always perceived well. And I no, think there's a difference yeah. in saying he's an asshole Mm -hmm. to someone about who they're dating. You cannot do that. Right. And um, they're going to get mad at you. And then it's this whole thing. I learned that one the hard way. Yes. You can't say that. You have to say, you know, well, well, what's important to you? And do you think he cares about that too? And are, are you guys values and priorities aligned and, you know, and talk through what bothers people and say, you know, I always say, I always tell my friends, like, you've just got to set those expectations and standards. And if someone's taking advantage of you, don't be there for them all the time. Yeah. Do not show up and be there for them all the time. Be a little bit unavailable. Promise it's a big game changer. And a lot of my friends who struggled in relationships, most of the time, it was like the 
the man they were with didn't really value them Mm -hmm. and they felt you know they just felt uh, like they were an afterthought and i was like well why don't you go be busy i mean be unavailable (laughs) for a while don't be there for everything yeah you know get out have a little sexy instagram go out with your girlfriends like that's okay that's okay to keep mystery alive even when you're in a relationship so you reset that make him want more and my advice was always that but that's what my friends are always struggling with i wouldn't say like well leave him break up with him like no no no. you can you can kind of leave someone and give them distance while staying in a relationship to earn that respect back and I think too, with feedback and, you know, when I went through yoga teacher training, quite literally transformed my life because I was always such a direct feedback. And when people would get upset or they're like, you're being mean, I'm like, you're mad at me because I'm being direct and I'm giving. And at the end of the day, it's always an opinion. There's no right or wrong. Like I get that, but it's just like, this is what I'm seeing. And I think now I've learned like know your audience. And I think it's kind of getting people to see it for themselves. So instead of like, cause yeah. I don't like when people tell me what to do, like, Aaron, go do this A, B, and C. The chance that I want to do that after you just told me to do it is probably slim to none. Now that you just capitalized on that, now I don't want to do it. So it's like, if I see these things, I'm usually just like, so how are things going? Or it's just like how you word things to get maybe them internally to realize that. And I know, because people are always like, I swear all my friends, my mom's always like, everyone comes to you for relationship advice, but you're the one person that's never been in a relationship. And I'm like, I say the same thing. Now I just tell them, I'm like, I'll give you relationship advice. But I think my advice is always like how to be independent if you lean more codependent or like how to. That's my advice too. That's always my advice. And my advice is to be independent in a relationship. And when you are codependent, I think I've seen a lot of friends who are like, oh, but, you know, men don't really like that. They want a, a wife and, you know, but I'm like, but you're not the wife yet. I, you gotta, I mean, you aren't his wife. He has not proposed to you for four years or five years. And the reason he hasn't is because you're already playing wife. And so that's the kind of advice I would give my friends. Yeah. Be independent. Always keep some mystery. Um, you know, don't, don't go rush to transform and be codependent so quickly, especially before you're engaged, before you're married. I even think when you're married, you've got to keep a little bit of that spice and independence and, always leave someone wanting more. I would, I don't, I don't want someone to always be catered to me all the time. You will eventually not respect them so much. Mm -hmm. And that's like for both men and women, but women just have the tendency to do that so quickly in a relationship. And my friends would have all these issues and I would give the same advice. (laughs) Like, you know, you're just being codependent so soon. You're acting like a wife and you haven't even, he hasn't even earned that yet. Or you change who you are to become what the other person is. And yeah. you, I mean, and I always say like, you're your five closest friends or you, you know, you, and it was actually, I, I can't remember if I heard this on a podcast or where it was, but it was like men date women exactly who they are, but women date men for what they can become. And I resonated with that so much oh, because I'm like, I think sometimes we see someone for where they can be or the husband they can be or the whatever the future father they can be but where they are right now is not matching where I am and I was like oh interesting and you like when you find the right person you're at the right place but I think sometimes for me it's like I see them in five years but let's come back to this present moment like you can't you know you're seeing things too far into the future which I've always kind of been like a futuristic person like you know does this make sense in five years does this make sense in 10 years which, you know, my friends are like, why do you? And I'm like, well, when I start dating someone, it's like, is this realistic? 
You know what I mean? And it's not like a bad thing, but it's just like, are you meeting me where I'm at? Do we have the same goals? Do we have the same visions? Do we have the same heart? Do we have the same values? You know, are you going internal or on those things? Because I think we oftentimes get caught up in the external. Like what? Yeah, I think people give you signs. You, Mm -hmm. you, and you have to not ignore them. You can see signs. You can see red flags. You can see the way people. Uh, whoever you're dating talks about other people's situations mm-hmm. or the way they comment on them or the way they give their friends advice, that can be red flags because that's how they think. That's how they interpret the world. And if it's, that doesn't align with you and you're like, it's something really rubs you the wrong way, you've got to really tune into that. Yeah. Because we have a tendency to ignore red flags. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I always say my friends will be like, I just grabbed the red flag and I put it in my pocket. I'm like, I see a red flag and I am running I know. (laughs) I don't know what I, I think if someone was so fun and I enjoyed being with them, I would let the red flags go for a little bit, Uh, especially if they were focused on their career and we had that same aspect. I was always drawn to that. But then the relationship itself, I let red flags go and those always come to a head, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, I would, I would ignore him if I was truly enjoying someone's company. <laughs> Jen's relationship. Yeah. You're fun. Woo. And then four years later, I'm like, fuck, this is a problem. <laughs> I know. You, I'm, you're not going to change. You are who you are. People won't change. They, yeah. they truly are who, when people show you who they are, are. believe them. I yeah. love that quote. Cause yeah. it's so true. Absolutely. Oh, I'm like looking at my clock. I'm like, we're going to have you back on. This is a good conversation. Yeah. And you know, kind of just to wrap things up, you know, my final question is always like, what are you grateful for? But I think if there's really two main takeaways from this entire conversation, if you're resonating with Jen and I and our personalities, it's like, don't hide that. Don't change who you are. And always don't settle in anything, whether it's your career, whether it's your relationship, whatever it is. And I say this and I'll say it to the day I die. It's just like, I don't believe in settling. And I believe that there's something and somebody out there for everyone. I agree. Don't settle. And um, don't be, don't be too toxic of your own personality. <laughs> Jen's going to get texts from me every time I go on a date. Jen, Take feedback. I, I do think don't settle, be who you are, sure. but also be vulnerable when it's the right person. Yeah, for sure. Be vulnerable and open. I know that's what I, that's what I'm working on this year. My friend said it too. They're like, you just did a, allow yourself, open up your heart. And I'm like, <laughs> one day we'll get there. Yeah. Um, but all right, to wrap this up there's one thing that you're grateful for. Yeah. What is it? Easy. I'm, I'm pregnant and healthy and we have a healthy baby boy and I'm grateful for my husband and my family. Yeah. Truly. That's and if you would have asked me three years ago, that's would not have been my answer. So that's what I'm grateful for today. We're so blessed that we've had such a healthy pregnancy um, because when you get pregnant, you hear all these horror stories from people. I have a podcast about this. Um, you hear horror stories from people about, you know, miscarriages and things that went wrong and things that went wrong during their appointments. And I'm like, ooh, and I just have to tune that out. So mm-hmm. hearing more of other people's stories has made me even more grateful um, for the health of our baby and to have a good loving husband. Yeah. yeah. I feel you. I mean, yeah. I know I think for me, you know, I'm grateful for where I'm at in my career, my friends, my family. There's so many. I write them down every morning and I'm just like, 
in the times when I get frustrated, I'm reminded of how grateful I truly am. I'm healthy. I'm happy. I have a job. I can pay my bills. So I think there's a lot. Um, and then plug yourself. Obviously, we've mentioned throughout this whole podcast, you uh-huh. have a podcast. I know. I we'll never, let everyone know. I never know. Your my, Instagram. I never where know to find my you. Instagram handle. <laughs> a lot of times I like try to say my Instagram handle and I say it wrong. Okay. <laughs> um, I have a podcast. Yes. Uh, the panel podcast. It started out really more doing panels of people, but you know, shortly after it started, we went into COVID. So it's a lot of one-on-one episodes, but similar to this, uh, mostly highlighting ambitious women, entrepreneurs talking about their life more so than their career, about their relationships with other people, um, their relationships at work that they've had to work through and things like that. Um, So yes, our Instagram is at panel podcast. Um, and you can find the panel on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere that that streams podcasts. All right. Well, thank you. And I'll put all this in the notes section. So thank you. Thank you. And we'll have you back on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This is fun. <laughs>